With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Thursday after Liverpool defeated Villarreal 2-0 in the first leg of the Champions League semi-final. A strange game, a game Liverpool dominated from start to finish. Villarreal came for a draw and may well have gotten a draw if Jordan Henderson's cross doesn't take a massive deflection and find its way into the back of the net via the flailing arms of Geronimo Rulli. Sadio Mane doubled the Reds' advantage a couple of minutes later, and that was all she wrote. Villarreal came with a very specific game plan. They came to bring the game home for the second leg, either tied or with a minimal advantage. A two-goal advantage, obviously, is more than a minimal advantage. You would have liked, from a Liverpool point of view, for it to be a bit more comfortable going into that second leg. But at the same time, we will have to be cautious. Now, they're not going to play that second leg in an open fashion. They'll be more attacking. But they'll still be very cautious. They'll still stick to their principles. And they will try and sneak a goal in the first half to set up a second half where they just need one goal to take it to extra time. If they don't get that that first half goal, they will have to open up. And Unai Emery is not a good manager when his teams have to open up. When they have to go chasing something, he struggles. And if they open up against Liverpool, they'll get destroyed. That's the simple fact of it. Liverpool are too good on the counter-attack, and they're not good enough as individual defenders to defend a halfway line. They couldn't play the way we play. We could play the way they do. We've got the individuals to do it. It wouldn't be a problem. So we can go there and do what they do if we want. Now, I saw Jason Cundy, who I think is a twat, on TalkSport calling them a disgrace, saying that for them to come and play the way they have is disgraceful behaviour for Champions League semi-final and yada, 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 yada. The bottom line of it is, this is a club smaller than Burnley, with a lower wage bill than Burnley, who have no right being in a Champions League semi-final. They have earned the right to be in a Champions League semi-final. Last season, 
they won their way through the Europa League. Defeating Arsenal in the semi-final and Manchester United in the final. This season, they overcame Atalanta in the group stage, finished second to Manchester United, beat Juventus, beat Bayern Munich. Like they haven't had some easy path to here. When we look at their team and look at the type of money they've spent, it's not even mid-table Premier League expenditure. Like Crystal Palace spent more money than them this past summer and the summer before. They're not a team that has huge riches to, th to throw around. They shop on the margins. They look for bargain opportunities. They very much take a money ball approach. They look for players that others may see as past their best. They look for players that haven't caught on wherever they are. A perfect example of that is Juan Foyt, who played right back for them last night. Didn't quite make the grade at Spurs. They brought him in on loan with an option to buy. He had a great season for them last year, so they made the deal permanent in the summer. Serge Aurier was deemed not good enough for Spurs. He was released from his contract, and they signed him. Arnaud Danjuma had a lot of people doubting him. After a failed season in the Premier League, did well in the Championship, they signed him. Cocaine and Parejo were deemed surplus to requirements at Valencia. They picked up the pair of them for five million combined. Purvis is stupid. He cost 16 and a half million. He'd had a great season with Osasuna, but Watford weren't sure he was good enough for the Premier League. Etienne Capoue, he didn't do well at Spurs. He was good for Watford, but he was worthy of a bigger club. No other club was willing to go for him. They nabbed him. And they've done it time and time again. Asensio, the keeper, on a free transfer. Ruli, 5 million euro. Mario Gaspar came through their academy. Pau Torres through their academy. Raul Albiol was written off at the end of his Napoli career. People thought, now nah, he's finished. He's pushing up on 34 years of age. They brought him in. They've had three really good years with him. Now, Funes Mori is still there. No, he's gone. They got Actually, sorry, my, my mistake. He's gone. They got rid of him in the summer. Um, but he's another one that they picked up from Everton after he was deemed supposedly not good enough. You can go up and down their squad. Alcacer, Dortmund, decided he wasn't up to the task. Albi Moreno. Liverpool let him go when his contract expired. They snapped him up. Couldn't have been happier to get him. Time and time again, they've made smart decisions. They've signed players that fit how they want to play, fit their profile, fit in their wage structure. And it just works for them. Every bit of it works for them. And they overachieve because for them, with a stadium that's, about the size of Bournemouth, maybe a little bit bigger, but it's about 23,000 in a city of 50,000. 
they shouldn't be what they are. They should be Hereford, St. Johnston. They should be a small second or third, maybe at, at best second or third division team. But instead, they're top flight in Spain every year, never in any risk of relegation. They're always in the top half. They're always challenging for Europe. Their stadium is the 25th largest stadium in Spain. It's crazy. They're a small club who overachieve. They shouldn't be disparaged because they play a certain way. They should be held up for playing that way. Everton came to Anfield at the weekend and were lauded for playing a far more negative brand of football than that. Burnley come to Anfield and get lauded for playing a more negative brand than that. At what point do we just say, your xenophobia is showing there, Mr. Cundy? Because if that was an English team going away, if that was Burnley and they'd somehow reached the semi-finals of a Champions League and they went to the Bernabeu and they played like that and came away with a 2-0 defeat, you'd be lauding them. You'd be saying, oh, what an impressive performance. They're still in the tie. It's only 2-0. They're still in it. Early goal back at Turf Moor. And it's all to play for. That's the type of crap we'd be hearing. But no, because it's a Spanish club, you have to disparage them. Why not focus on the fact that Liverpool overcame that? How is that not the major topic of conversation? That they came, played like that, which admittedly is not for everybody, but it is a way of playing. It's a successful way of playing as they've proven. But why are we not talking about the fact that Liverpool overcame that, that once again, Liverpool found a way to win a game. And admittedly, it took a complete fluke. Jordan Henderson was not shooting on goal. He was crossing it into the box based on the angle, the, the wide angle. It doesn't look like his cross was going to find a target. So it took a fluke. But that's what it takes sometimes. Sometimes you just need that bit of luck. We haven't had massive amounts of luck in recent years, in case anybody has missed that. We've had some of the worst luck anyone's had in the last 20 years. Whether it's Salah's injury in the 17-18 Champions League final, whether it's City somehow clearing a ball that was five-sixths of the way across the line in 1890, which caused us a title, The injuries last season, which caused us the chance to retain our title. Like, we haven't had good luck. We're due a little bit. And when people say, well, Liverpool get lucky because VAR, no, that's not luck. That's by design. VAR is a tool. If you're not using it to your advantage, you're basically a very stupid club. The Reds will head to Villarreal next week to. El Madrigal, uh, I can't think what's called now. Oh, it's called Estadio de la Ceramica. It's El Madrigal. It'll always be El Madrigal. And it's going to be different. It is going to be different. They're, that place will be bouncing. 
from about an hour before the kickoff. It will be absolutely bouncing. It is a lovely little stadium. It is well worth your while if you are um, if you're heading over for the game. Get there as early as possible and watch it fill up and watch their fans start to really build an atmosphere. It's very, very impressive. Anyway, that was last night, and that was great news. We had even better news this morning, because today is a good day. We had better news this morning. I think it was Neil Jones who had the news first, but then Paul Joyce has come out and confirmed it. Uh, Bascom has also written about it. Notably, the Echo didn't know. The Athletic didn't know. I wonder, are they not in the inner circle anymore? Might, might that be the problem? Jimbo and Ian and Paul, not in the inner circle. But Paul Joyce, no, Paul is the Paul at the Echo, not Paul Joyce. Uh, Paul Joyce had the story in depth about Klopp. Liverpool are ramping up negotiations with Jurgen Klopp to extend the manager's stay at the club. If this has been leaked to the press, this is close to done. This doesn't come out unless the club wanted to come out. Jurgen spoke obviously in August and said that he was going to go in 2024. It's obvious that last season, the season before, took a lot out of him. And by the season before, I mean the end of it with COVID and all of that, not getting to celebrate the title in the proper manner. Last season, obviously was horrendous in so many ways, especially for him personally, losing his mom, not getting to travel home for the funeral. That type of thing took a massive toll on him. But he does seem reinvigorated. He seems refreshed. He seems to like this four-trophy lark. Kloppo seems to love this idea of competing on all fronts. And he now appears to be not just open to extending his contracts, but willing to extend his contract, which is the best news any of us could get as Liverpool fans. I mean, he matters more than anybody else. You'd also wonder if him re-upping his contract could have a knock-on effect of Mo Salah re-upping his contract. Maybe that's part of what Salah wanted, was he wanted Klopp kept in the job, that he wanted to make sure he was going to be managed by the best in the business. Klopp had said he wanted to spend more time with his wife. His wife goes to all the games now. She's in the away end when Liverpool go anywhere, jumping about like a lunatic. She got punched in the face at Old Trafford. She loves it. So, I mean, what, what, what brilliant news. What absolutely brilliant news. I've said it before. I, I thought he would stay. I thought you could see his stance on it softening from August where he was basically adamant he was leaving. And then around Christmas time, someone asked him and he said, well, at the moment, the plan is still to go. And I thought at the moment is really interesting. Why has he said that? And now we know it's because he was starting to be won over. How could he leave this? Like, you'd have to be... I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what, what mindset you'd have to have to leave this. The best keeper in the world, the best right back, the best left back, the best centre back, the best holding midfielder, the best controlling midfielder, the best wide forward. It's just, why, why would you leave this squad? 
with everything that's to come for it, with, with the potential additions you're going to make as well. You know, if we were to add Jude Bellingham next summer, would he really want to leave after just one year of Jude Bellingham? I just don't see that he could. I never saw that he could. Now, also in that Joyce story, and can we just take a moment to appreciate the brilliance of Paul Joyce? When most journalists tweet out their story, they put like a little blurb, a little taster, something to just lure you in, something to make you want to click. Not Paul Joyce. He tweets the link and that's it. You can read it. You don't have to read it. Joyce's done his job. It's there for you if you want it. But he's not bothered leading you into it. What a man. I've said before, I don't know. I don't know that Paul Joyce knows he actually has a Twitter account. I think he thinks he's got like a, a, a telegram type of thing, an email, and he's just sending this to his friends. This is just something he wrote. It's magnificent stuff the way he approaches it. Um, Paul Joyce is a, is a, is a treasure. He, he's a national treasure and he should be protected. Wrap him in cotton wool. In his story, he said that Liverpool are very interested in Calvin Ramsey, the right back from Aberdeen. Now, that's a couple of different people have reported on that. And when Paul Joyce is naming a player, I tend to believe it's getting close to done. Calvin Ramsey would fill a big hole for us, that backup right back spot that's been problematic. This is a massive talent. There's been a lot of good fullbacks to come from Scotland in recent years. We obviously have Andy Robertson. There is Kieran Tierney. Young Patterson at Everton is very good. Aaron Hickey is very, very good. But this kid might be better than all of them. He'll turn 19 this summer. This is his first full season in the Aberdeen team. He played six games last year. He's played 31 this year. He's also established himself in the Scotland under-21 team. Despite only being 18, and despite the fact that Nathan Patterson is also eligible for that team, Ramsey has gone on to stake his own claim. This is a, a really, really talented right back. Someone that has the potential to become potentially a starter for us if we ever want to shift things around and move Trent elsewhere. He's good on the ball. He's quick. He's confident. He's aggressive. And when you have his national captain in our squad, he's going to be eager to impress. And he couldn't be coming to a better club if he does join. Because he'll be working with world-class defenders day in and day out. He'll learn from all of them. He'll be going up against world-class attackers. It's massive for him. Absolutely massive for him. He's been named the Scottish Football Writers Young Player of the Year, which is at 18 is a, a fairly, fairly sizable award for him. He couldn't be too upset if we get Calvin Ramsey. He'd be a really good addition. And he won't be expensive either. He might pay five, six million for him. Absolute bargain. Absolute bargain if we can get him in. 
So you get him, that solves the right back spot. So now you've got Ali, Quivin, and Adrian, plus Pitaluga, Yaros, and the rest of the young keepers. So we're setting goal. Trent and Ramsey at right back. Robbo and Costas at left back. Now, there is obviously the possibility that Costas could go if a big offer comes in or if he asks to go. And if he does, we'll replace him. Someone I just mentioned, Aaron Hickey of Bologna, would make perfect sense. Another young Scott to come in as Robbo builds an army. But we'll assume Costa stays. Right centre-back, we've got Matip, we've got Kanate. Left centre-back, we've got Virgil, we've got Gomez. Now, again, Gomez is one who, who could ask to go this summer. We could get a big offer for him. And if that's the case, again, we'll replace him. We've been linked to David Carmo of late. We've been linked to Tapsopo. So we, we'd have options. We'll have a list. We'll be fine. We know how to buy centre-backs. We've proven that in recent years. Not under Rodgers, of course, but under Klopp. So that's the defence. Ramsey solves the defence. You keep Reese williams as your fifth centre-back. Everybody's happy. Nat Phillips leaves. Nico Williams leaves. We probably get in around $20 million for them. Spend about $5 million on Ramsey. You're up $15 million and happy days. In terms of the goalkeepers, Karius will leave, but he won't bring in any money because he's out of contract. You move into midfield and things start to shape up. You get Naby, you get Thiago for that left-sided role. You get Fabinho, you get Henderson for that number six role. So you need one more starter in midfield. Paul Joyce has also named Arlian Chouameni as the player Liverpool are interested in. David Ornstein named him in January. Joyce names him in April. Wind your clocks back 12 months. Ornstein names Kanate in January. Joyce names Kanate in April. There's reports coming from Madrid, from well-placed Madrid reporters, that they're not in for too many, that that's just media talk, that they have other targets. And they do have other, they have massive needs. They clearly, clearly need a centre-back. They clearly, clearly need a right-back. They want Haaland, they want Mbappe. So there is definitely the opportunity here for us to grab a fellow who could be one of the best midfielders in the world within 18 months. You, you, you unleash him as a box-to-box midfielder, and he might be Patrick Vieira. He might be Patrick Vieira. You put him with Fabinho and Thiago as your starting three, and then you have Naby, Henderson, Elliot and Jones as your depth. That's a seven-man group. I'd love to see us grab Carney Chukwemeka from Chukwemeka? Chukwemeka, I don't know. From Aston Villa. Out of contract in 2023. Clearly doesn't want to renew. Gerard isn't using him. Get him in on the cheap at 18. There's a lot of people that think he's as talented as Jude Bellingham. And that if he gets the right move and Jude goes somewhere where maybe he doesn't join the right club, Carney will become the better player. Jude's obviously well ahead now because he's been playing regular first-team football for three years now. But that's a fault of Villa, not of the player. If Klopp gets hold of him, he could be an absolute monster, a box-to-box machine. 
super high level technical ability, aggressive, quick, strong in the challenge. When he was playing underage, and I don't mean when he was playing under 18 as an 18 year old, I mean when he was playing under 18 as a 15 year old, he was man against boys. He was bullying kids two and three years older than them like it was nothing. Watch him playing during the 23s games. He bullies people. He is a serious, serious player. So you get him in, there's your eight. Now you've got your group of eight. Milner can go sell Ox 25. We probably get 20 million for Ox. Chiumeni probably costs 50. Maybe Carney is 10. That's a 60 million outlay. It's a 40 million net spend. So now it's a 25 million net spend on the squad and your happy days. And then an attack. We've got Salah, we've got Mane, we've got Diaz. Jota is your fourth forward that can play anywhere. And then we've got Carvalho coming in as, say, a backup on the left. Kate Gordon is the backup on the right. Bobby is the backup nine. All of those three below Jota. Jota is a fourth starter for third for three positions. So we don't need to do anything because if we've got Carvalho done, that's that done. Divock leaves and we can sell Tacky. You probably get, I think we get 15 million for Tacky. Carvalho's costing, I believe, eight to seven million profit. To do that, to bring in Ramsey, Chumeni, Chukwemeka, and Carvalho, you're talking about a net spend of 17, 18 million? And a wage bill? Massively reduced. That's a win for everybody. It's a massive win. And it's the perfect FSG summer where they've addressed the issues in the squad. They've improved us. And they haven't to spend a bunch of money and the wage bills come down. It's quids in for everybody. Kloppo signs on long-term. Mo signs on long-term. You would assume... If Mane is staying, he's signing a contract. Now, if Mane is to be sold, he would need to be replaced. If Bobby is to be sold, he would need to be replaced. So there's the possibility we need to do something in the attack. But if both of them sign on, even if it's an extra one year for Bobby and an extra two for Sadio, then many and three young lads sets us up for the long term. You know, players under the age of 21, Carvalho, Cade, Carney, Elliot, Jones, Ramsey, Bobby Clark, Musilowski, Fraundorf, Balagizi. All of these guys with massive potential. So it's a very simple path for Liverpool to without having to break the bank, without having to spend large amounts of money to have a seriously, seriously dangerous team for next season. That's a team that can go and again challenge for the quadruple. Madness. I'm going to go before I get too excited. I'll see you tomorrow, bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. 
The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.